Let me read the passage for this morning. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if a son asked for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asked for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So whatever you wish that others would do to you, would be do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. I, uh, I grew up in a home where if you were to ask all six of us, we had, there were six of us, six kids in the family, and ask the question, who wore the pants in the family? I think you know that question. I think all six of us would say, Mom. Uh, Personality-wise, my mom was the one that would kind of drive the discipline issue. She did most of the talking. Uh, my mom was the one that actually gave me the dreaded sex talk and uh, when I got a little older, and it was actually only three words. Um, I'll give it to you today even here. Just be careful. That was my sex talk. And my dad was the quiet one. And I would, if I was a character that I would describe my dad as he was a Mr. Rogers, uh, nice, Rarely did he get mad, although I'm guessing that he spanked me numerous times really for the wrong reasons, but, um, but he was such a gentle guy. Um, but what stands out when I look back at my father is my dad never invited the kids into his world at all his personal world, his spiritual world. He knew Christ as Lord and Savior. He was a hard worker. He, worked, he was a carpenter, and he was kind of a perfectionist in that area. But I don't ever really remember having a spiritual conversation with him of any significance. Um, even after we got married, Dan and I moved to the West Coast for 11 years, and I don't remember ever him calling on the phone or even when we visited, he would kind of look at us and go, how are you doing spiritually? How are you doing as a family? See, him initiating and inviting them back to, to us in terms of conversation was really stifled. Uh, when he died of Alzheimer's a number of years ago, my grieving really had little to do with his death. It had far more to do with just the sadness that I I never had a relationship with him. Our relationship was really distant at best. But the fact is, that's my story. Every one of us here has a story about their fathers. See, the question, what does father, that word father, mean to you? See, see, here's the connection, though, to the text today. Many people on this passage focus, when they look at the passage, they look and go, this is about prayer. And I go, they're missing it. See, I, I think he'd already spoke on prayer, going back, actually, to the previous chapter, he taught on the Lord's Prayer very specifically how we were to pray. 
See, but what Jesus is doing here, this, this crowd is in front of him. He's sitting down, and there's this great crowd, and his disciples probably up close. What is he doing? He's telling them about his father. And I don't know if you've noticed this, all the way through that we've been talking about, there's this weaving, this theme of father, father, father. Matter of fact, up to this point, 15 different times he's used the word father. See, he's revealing his father's heart, his desires, the invitations that the father is giving to us and to those people that were sitting on that mountain. See, he's been giving his listeners this vision of the gracious character and the purposes of his father. You think back, the one who meets in secret, who gives treasures in heaven, who satisfies the longings for righteousness and mercy. A true righteousness that exceeds just morality, that the Father wants to give us that. See, Jesus has been feeding and stirring and saying, trust in the purposes and the activities of the one who loves them. Trust him. I I think of the video and, and the trust that that woman had to have to go, my children, my hands, I give to you. But there's something that we can't get out of the way. And the challenge is this, is that we come to who God is and we come even to the scriptures understanding with presuppositions. And one of those presuppositions is the word father. What does father mean to us? And we approach the scriptures in light of that and other presuppositions as well. Matter of fact, even on this passage, I don't know if you realize it, well, some really jump in and say, this is about prayer. Um, the prosperity movement, if you know that term, the prosperity gospel, they use this verse extensively to justify you're supposed to, in faith, just go ask. The, the purpose, just, just go ask. God wants you to be healthy, wealthy, and wise. And I go, no, that's very man-centered. See, the challenge even for us here today, we can focus on prayer, the asking part of it, and we miss the object of the Father, the revelation of the Father. And I even find that even in, in the commentaries, a few that, I've, that I read here this week. But in light of that, let me just give you the first point on your outline there, if you're taking notes in the bulletin, I said it this way, truth number one, we must embrace that Jesus was sent into this world for more than just keeping us out of hell. But rather, Jesus was sent for us to know the Father. See, he's not sitting on this mountain and preaching some turn or burn sermon. But I think the challenge for us, there's these presuppositions and default settings, I think, of the church that I was growing up with. There was, for me, I learned this default setting that really that came, that even justification, it was there just to pay the penalty for our moral sin, and therefore we escape hell. That's what I learned, that's what I focused on. And all of a sudden you begin to, other people begin to pour in my life and go, Ken, you're missing out on so much. Jesus wants more, than a, more of our faith than just keeping us out of hell. He actually wants us to know the Father. But again, we got a problem. 
And it's that word father. It doesn't, for some of us, it actually doesn't sound like really great news. Uh, let me put a question on the screen here. I think it's on your notes. How does our own view of our Father impact our view of God as Father? Have we ever stopped and really pondered that? Let me throw you some slides on the screen. The first one was it like my dad was non relational. So as I look back, I go, so often my God, my father was passive. Yeah, he was there. But maybe there was a different type of father you have. The picture there, was your father harsh? Was he abusive? It shapes your understanding of who the father in heaven is. Look at the next slide. Was your father selfish, manipulative? Maybe he just, you know what, didn't grow up. Did he really care about your deep needs of being loved, even as a child? See, how we live our faith in this world is impacted by our understanding as God, as Father. And we have to catch this, that Jesus was on a mission, and a critical aspect of that mission was to reveal his Father to this world. Matter of fact, let me show you John chapter 17. This is a prayer just before he's going to the cross. Look at what John records as this prayer. O righteous Father, this is Jesus praying, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I have made known to them your name. I'm revealing who you are. And I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. Now, who is these and them? Those words that I underlined there in 26 and 25. Well, it's frankly, it's this. It's to all of those people that are going to come to faith and be God's children. Those that have responded to God's gift and his son who belong to Christ. But look at the weight of verse 26 here. I don't know if we catch this. I have made known to them your name. Now understand that the, the word name there is much broader than just the name. When he's talking about the name here, he's talking about the character qualities, who he really is, the personhood of God, the attributes of God, all that encompasses who God is. Do we catch that? And he's saying, it's not going to stop. And it's going to go deeper and deeper. But catch what he's even praying here. That the same love that you would know the Father, but that the same love that you have for me, Jesus is saying, would be in them. Uh, Let me just put a statement on the screen so you see this. Jesus is inviting us to know his Father, to experience the love that he experiences with his Father. See, and we keep telling our kids and our children that salvation is to keep you out of hell. Folks, the love that God loves, the Father loves for his Son, he loves us in the same love. It's no second-class love. And that love, you understand, the depth of that was taking place before the creation of the world, and the creation of the world was an extension of his love. 
See, our Father in heaven, though, desires us to come then as his creation to seek him, to come to him. He invites us to do that. And he desires us to do that, to depend on him for our deepest needs. And I, I think again of this woman who had, she had to depend on him way more than we have to. But we really, we have a, a good and loving Father in heaven. Now over the years, I've kept beating that drum beat of discipleship. And it's this idea that we're taking someone who is far from God and we're walking with that person to, to know God. But it's not just knowledge, no. It's that they would understand, actually, the heart of the Father. We would help them grasp who God is, the Father is. And how life-giving he really is. So you notice what Jesus is doing here. He's teaching us things about his Father, and, and it's particularly in verse 7. See, yeah, there's an act of prayer here, but what does it say about God the Father? Truth number two, just for your notes. We have a heavenly Father who's approachable. See, Matthew catches this and he writes this down, is that there's a, seek him, why? Because he's approachable. Now, I think parents... When you think of teaching our children and discipling our kids, let me ask you a question. Are you helping them understand that God is approachable? That the Father is approachable? And as I was pondering this last night, I go, how old can they begin to get this? First of all, we've got to have conversations about it. But I really believe that they can start to catch snippets of it in first, second, third grade in that age category. But I think at times we send mixed messages, and I'm the first one to be guilty of that. Because think of the times as a father, our kids come to us, you know, and we might be watching the Viking game or working outside or doing whatever, and they want to come and talk, and they want something, they're asking something from us, and we got this attitude, you know what, we're kind of busy right now. Don't disturb. Come back another time when it's a little bit more convenient for us. But folks, do we know and understand that is not our Heavenly Father? See, He invites us to come. He's approachable. He is never busy. He's not busy with work. He's not busy with sporting games. He's not out deer hunting. You know what? God doesn't answer. Come back later. I'm in the business. I've got to save somebody right now. No. As God, we come to him, and he's always approachable. But you ask, why does he, Jesus say, knock, seek him? I think it's truth number three. See, he invites us to seek him because he desires to be actively involved in our lives. Do we catch that? He wants to be involved. He just doesn't sit up there going, doesn't twiddle his thumbs. He invites us to come and knock. Look at verse 8. For everyone asks, receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. See, he doesn't shoo us away. He wants involvement in our lives. 
But there's even, I think, more in this revelation. When you think of the, the participation that he wants us to be in, I, I think it's just why this sermon is so critical, because he's, remember even the previous chapter, teaching us to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. We connect with his will. He's telling us, realize and embrace how good life can be if we come under the rule and the reign of God and the grace of God. See, living under the rule and the reign of God is has to be, because he's inviting us, much more satisfying than the life of independence. We like independence, and I think we struggle coming underneath the reign of God. I, I think why we struggle at times, we keep believing that staying away from God, a little distance, is safer. You know what? He actually might demand much from us. And again, back to that video, she had to give her kids, her husband. And then we look and go, what are we willing to give up here in the United States? But look at verse 9 and 9 through 11 here. Let me put that on the screen. Or which one of you, if a son asked him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will you give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? See, when you look at those comparisons, bread and fish, stone and a snake, what's the, what's the point there? Bread and fish are needs, and they're good for you. Stones and snakes, not so good. See, an earthly son has requested two good things, needing sustenance for food, and a father responds accordingly. Now, I think the reverse is true as well here. If a son goes to dad and says, give me a stone to eat. And isn't, wouldn't this be true that a good dad would go, no, I'm not going to give you a stone. It's bad for your diet. Yeah, you need minerals, but different way, okay? But see, Jesus gets it that his father knows how to give us what is good for us. The problem is we want to define what's good. But do we believe that, maybe we believe he doesn't understand us. And he's given us things that aren't helpful. And you realize right away then where, where our minds go. But what about the turmoil, God? What about the cancer? What about the disease? What about the marriage that's fallen apart? See, but a father knows what we need. And at times he comes and says, what you need is not to fix things to make you happy. He's going, I'm going to give you things to prepare you for a relationship with me and with my son. Matter of fact, through eternity, he's getting us ready for eternity looking forward. He's making us more beautiful to become the bride that he's going to give to his son. See, his priority for our life is not a happy life, but rather to experience the relationship that he has with his son. For us to enter into the love that the father has with the son. Uh, there's an area here I, I don't have time to go into today, but when, when you think of the issue of discipline, 
And as parents, we've had to discipline our children, and sometimes you know, I've done it out of wrong motives. But when you look at the God the Father, go to Hebrews 12 sometime, you, you see that there's a Father who disciplines. Why? Because he loves us. And he does it perfectly. And he does it to bring us back under the reign and the rule and under his love and under his protection. See, do we catch the heart of a father here? A good father that Jesus going, you got to meet my dad. you got to know about my dad. I think of Romans where we climb up into his lap and call Abba Father. See, he wants us to be there. But i got to finish with this verse 12. I'll put it on the screen. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Uh, I, I said this last week that the media and the world quote this verse and that it's referred to as a golden rule. And, he, and he, at times what people do is they take this and they kind of create this overarching theology and go, this is the Bible summed up. And you go, no. Okay, that's just bad interpretation. See, when we take an isolation, it's kind of like this. You know what, if I want something, what I'll do is I'll be good to you and I'll kind of scratch your back and then you can turn around, you can scratch mine. That's how we kind of take it out of context. But realize the context of this, of this verse really all goes all the way back to verse 1 where it says, do not judge. Take care in how you're relating with people. Don't pass condemnation. Leave that up to God. Look differently, live differently, seek the Father, live within the kingdom under the love of the Father. Think about the way that you live your life. See, it's really it's an application that he's saying, stop, people, stop. Think about the way you're living your life. How would you want others to treat you? Especially as we recognize, you know what, we have sin in our life, how we're going to then respond to other people. We might have a log in our eye. We looked at that last week. So he's saying, think about it. You want to be treated by, fairly by another person? Judge them fairly. Treat them fairly. See, it's an application statement really directed living under the kingdom, under the reign and the rule of God. I really believe, as I pondered it, it's really rooted in the great commandment, that second part of the great commandment, to love your neighbors as yourselves. But even that flows from the relationship and love that we have for God. So how we relate to people in light of God's grace for us and even our sin. But do you catch the rhythm of this, even in this chapter, Stop passing judgment. Let God be the judge. Seek the kingdom of heaven. Come and seek the Father who's in heaven. Come under the reign and rule of his love. Seek him as a father who gives life. See, he gives eternal life. He gives hope. He gives grace. He delights in his children coming to him and asking and entering into that relationship with him. And he's waiting for us to do that. But let me just close maybe by asking a question. Do you know this father that we're talking about here? Have you ever recognized what really keeps you from maybe knowing him, not just intellectually, but the whole relational component as we look at our lives? 
And I think it's this. What keeps us from really experiencing him is our independence. We want to be in control of our own life. We want to control our own world. And he goes, no, you can't have both. So I think there's at times our churches are filled today with people who want to live independent lives and still maintain the blessings that God can give them. But I also realize this, that there might be people here even today where you, you know what, deep down, you know you're living a life of independence. And I would say to you, freedom is found in him. You're really in bondage if that's where you're stuck. And if you've never bowed and confessed that you're living life on your own terms, folks, I just remind you that when eternity begins, there's no second chances. There's not some purgatory out there we go to and then we get a second chance. It's not biblical. We have to respond to his love today. And there might be people here who need to respond today and say, I'm going to give up my life of autonomy and my independence, and Lord, I'm going to put myself under your authority. I'm going to repent and I'm going to return, and I'm going to seek you. See, the Father wants that. He wants us to knock and seek, and he is going to open the door, and he will be there for you and embrace you as his child. Do we catch the heart of what Jesus is telling us about the Father? I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. We're going to sing a couple more songs this morning. But I would encourage you this week just to pause and go, God, do I need to meet you somehow? You know what? Maybe it's through the week. You just need to get on your knees at some point and go, Father, I want to know you. I want to love you. I want to experience you. Would you reveal yourself for me? That's the challenge for us this week. But let's stand and just respond to him. Let's worship and give him our love. Give your affections to him even as we sing here to close this morning.